everyone, welcome to today's episode of Heart, Home, Faith. As always, I am so grateful that you're giving me a few minutes of your time and allowing me to share my heart with you. There's something that in the past almost seven years of my parenthood, I've realized that Catholic parents in particular all struggle with. And I mean 100% every parent I have ever talked to has shared that this has been a struggle for their Catholic family. If you can't guess what it is based on the title of this episode, look at the title of this episode because it is quite simply taking small children to Mass. So I thought I would devote this episode to the trials and tribulations and many anecdotes I have regarding taking my own children to Mass. One of the things that I think is so beautiful is that you've been able to hear my older two children on this podcast. If you haven't heard their thoughts and insights into the faith, please go back and listen to the short 10-minute episode, Jesus and God Are Frenzies, and the episode where I share my favorite ways to teach the faith to my kids at home. You'll hear that my children do not behave perfectly at Mass, but with a little intentionality, they certainly understand truths about the faith. I remember when my husband and I were newly married and we were going through the RCIA process. My husband converted and I was pregnant with our first daughter. We were at Mass and he was so irritated by the family that was a few pews diagonal from us and their little boy and his cars and he kept having to leave mass and this little boy was probably about two and a half years old and (laughs) we have certainly been served our comeuppance at this point because we have been that family so many times but it just goes to show you that before you have children It's so easy to judge, and when you're not actively in the midst of raising children, it's so easy to judge and be irritated by the children distracting us at Mass. Except I keep reminding myself that Jesus said, let the children come to me, and he kind of created the children, so I'm pretty sure he knows that some of them are just extra wiggly. Some of them are just extra in need of movement and motion, and we probably need to get over ourselves just a little bit and our ideas of what we think a perfect congregation should be. Because the perfect congregation is the one Jesus has called, not the one that we've imagined in our heads. So that was before we had our first child, who's a little bit of a firecracker sometimes, and she she has definitely given us the runaround at Mass. I remember being in the children's room and she was yelling out very loudly. I was so glad we were in the children's room, but she saw that I had a tube of butt paste, the diaper rash cream in my diaper bag, and she started yelling out, I want butt paste. That was pretty mortifying, but thankfully we were in the children's room. Those children's rooms were so good for us. They still are. We still use them because we have a two-year-old. I have a special education degree, so one of the things that I learned so much about in my college experience is this idea of differentiated instruction. When we have differentiated instruction, it doesn't mean that the outcome or the goal is different. Bringing your children to Mass is about 
bringing your children closer to Jesus and having the graces poured upon them no matter where you sit in the church. So I remember being a new mom and being very insecure in my parenting and wanting to do things right, wanting to figure out what I could do and how I could do it perfectly. So I read a ton of information, so many blogs about how to engage your children at mass because what we had found, what worked for her, didn't seem to line up with these blogs. So I immediately felt like there was all this pressure. What was I doing? Could I do any better? Should we be sitting in the front of the church so she can see? Should we not be letting her color? Like, what, what should we do? We don't know. Well, we tried. We tried just about everything. And there are days where she does great, and there are still days where she struggles because she's a kid. We have to let our children be children, which means that some days sitting still for an hour is going to be extra hard for them. That's okay. Back to those blogs that I was reading about how to be a really awesome Catholic mom and be super Catholic and perfectly Catholic and raise perfectly behaved kids who never make a single mistake and never do anything wrong, especially at Mass. Well, I was very pregnant with my second daughter and I was just a few weeks away from giving birth to her and I had been reading these blogs and so I decided that we needed to try sitting in different parts of the church than usual so that maybe she would see more, our oldest daughter, the two-year-old, maybe she would see more, maybe she would be engaged, maybe it would work better. Let's just like figure out what works for us because this is what the internet says and the internet and all of these moms who are writing about their families they must have wisdom I don't have because I don't know what I'm doing. And that is how I inadvertently became the subject of an article that I later found several months into the new year. This was in October of 2015, and I vividly remember this happening. However, I cannot confirm 100% that I'm the person in this article but there's enough things that I remember and there's enough detail in the article that I remember that I decided I would share with you and I would intersperse my comments about what she's talking about and how I felt. Now, I did reach out. I emailed the author of this article and said, hey, can you tell me where you saw this very pregnant woman? And can you tell me, like, was it at my parish? And she hasn't gotten back to me. So now, four years later, Maybe I will finally know if I actually truly am the woman in this article, but I am so confident that I am. I would be pretty shocked if, if I wasn't. So this is the article, and because the internet is such a strange place, I found it in May of 2016. The article is called, Taking Your Children to Mass Isn't Always Easy, But It's Worth It. And it was published in America Magazine. This is what the author writes. The woman in front of my family was heavily pregnant with her second child. Yes, I was about two weeks away from giving birth to my second child, and I was very pregnant. And I looked very pregnant. Heavily pregnant is an accurate description of how I was at this time. Her oldest was a lively and curious two-year-old. That is putting it very politely and kindly because she was more of a hurricane than anything else. But thank you. 
Thank you, Miss Molesky, for those kind words about my two-year-old. The toddler colored quietly through the readings and snacked on impossibly tiny and uniformly cut pieces of fruit through the parable of the barren fig tree. Well, those tiny and uniformly cut pieces of fruit were actually Plum Organic's teensy fruit, which come in these incredibly small and very, very perfectly squares. It is somewhat impossible how they make them so perfect, but they do. I guess they're more of rectangles than squares, but I totally know what she means by that. During the collection, she found her lovey. Our daughter's loveys are probably the most catechized stuffed animals on the planet. They have been with us everywhere. They have done everything with us, to the point that when we go places, I have actually had to kind of take a roll call as we're leaving to make sure that we have not only all family members, but also their stuffies. In this case, little Fwoopy, a stuffed golden retriever who has had multiple neck surgeries from being cuddled so much. Yes, he was definitely with us on this day. Deep in the recesses of her mother's purse and settled in for a cuddle. There were probably about two minutes total of that entire mass where she wanted to snuggle, but we were optimistic that it would continue. It didn't. By the time of the consecration, however, she wanted only to tap dance on the pew as we kneeled. Yup, she loved the idea of tap dancing. I watched as the mother made a face at her husband. Yes, I'm positive I made a face. I heard her exasperated whisper, She's being so bad today. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said that. I stifled a smile as the little girl scooted out, the mother exhausted. I could relate. Once upon a time, I had two toddlers just a year apart in age, so the look on that mother's face and the slump in her shoulders were muscle memory to me. I stopped the mother after mass as she shrugged into her coat and collected the crayons scattered about the pew. Remember, I was about two weeks away from giving birth. There is no other way you can describe putting on a coat other than shrugging into it and nothing fit. At that point, I actually had to wear my husband's big fleece zip-up that was a size, like, extra large because nothing else fit. But I had tried to bring myself to mass that day in a coat that was feminine and therefore did not fit me at all. Because, again, I was a week or two weeks away from giving birth to my second child. And yes, there was a ton of crayons scattered around the pew. The father had already led the little girl out, anxious for damage control. Yes, on that day, my husband definitely took our oldest daughter out of mass just as soon as the priest walked by at the recessional. Because we were done. She was done. She had done everything she could do, and she was done. He said, I'll meet you outside. So I was left in the pew to shrug into my coat and pick up the crayons and bring all of the other things that we had brought to Mass to try to make it through that Mass without a major meltdown or super embarrassing situation happen to bring that all home. She looked at me guardedly, probably stealing herself to be berated or criticized for her daughter's behavior. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes I can feel like people are watching me, and at that point I was very insecure, and I just was trying so hard to do the right thing, and I didn't know what the right thing was. I didn't know how to make mass look perfect to other people, especially in regards to my children and how they behaved, or in this case, child and how she behaved. 
It's worth it, I said to her, bringing her to church each week. It's worth it. She apologized anyway. She's usually so much better. I don't know what got into her today. Okay, I remember saying that. I remember turning around and there was a woman behind me who said something I was not expecting. She said something that totally took me off guard because I was totally steeled for criticism and having to defend myself for bringing my child to mass because I could feel that someone had been watching me that whole mass. And so I kind of had this sense that somebody was, you know, focused on me and, and my raising of my child. And I was very prepared for criticism. And when that wasn't what came out of her mouth, I remember fumbling the thing that I thought I was going to say anyways. And it was, she's usually so much better, which is not true. It was just the thing that I wanted to say because it would have made me feel better if she was. And it wasn't like it was an intentional lie. I was just thinking that I was going to have to apologize for distracting all these people around me. And I'm so glad that that's not what happened. I'm so glad this ended up being a positive interaction, but it is something that I just so vividly remember saying. Miss Molesky writes, To start with, I thought, she's two. She has a 10-minute attention span, but she's been asked to remain still and quiet for over an hour. Instead, I responded, she did great. I love that article because even if it's not about me, I'm convinced that it is. So hopefully I'll hear back and I'll be able to let you guys all know if I truly am the subject of that article. But there is enough detail in there that I so vividly remember that I just have to be convinced that I am totally the subject of that article or somebody somewhere else is living almost the exact same life I'm living, which would be really weird, but kind of cool. So I'm just grateful that in the years that have passed since then, almost five years now, I've grown so much in my philosophy of taking children to mass and my husband and I have figured out what works for our family and I've been able to let the internet advice go because the internet advice wasn't what worked for our family. One of the things that I absolutely am a firm believer in is that we have to respect the dignity of our children. And so going back to the idea of differentiated instruction, me bringing my child to mass and sitting in the back because that's where they will be the most successful and because sometimes out of respect for that child, we might have to leave with them because maybe they're just having a hard day. That is what's better for our family than doing what people on the internet who don't know me and don't know my child say, which is sit in the front. Because sometimes that can be great and that works so well for some families, that doesn't mean it's gonna work perfectly for your family. And having the confidence to make the decisions on your own about what's gonna work for your family when it comes to mass, where you sit, who you sit with, what you bring, those are the things that no one else needs to criticize you about ever. Because remember, differentiated instruction does not mean that you are holding people to a different outcome. The outcome is the same. The outcome is that we're bringing our children to mass and we're trying to do it in a way that respects the individuality of each child because God made them. He wants them there. And yes, there are some days where it absolutely seems like there is no way that us being there did anything. I mean, at this point, I have three children, 
And when my youngest was born, I had three children under the age of five, which means that there was a lot of need for mom and a lot of need for dad and a lot of things we had to do for that first several months of my youngest child's life because all of the children were so young. Now, as they've aged, we've gotten into a routine. Of course, there's a pandemic, so our routine looks totally different now, but we got into a routine and we figured out where where we could sit in the church that worked for us, what we could do, what we could bring, how we could help our kids be engaged, but also allow them to be themselves and allow them to pay attention and to look around and to just immerse themselves in a way that would work for them. So one of the things that I do for my children is that I allow them until they're seven when they will start preparing for their first reconciliation and their first Holy Communion. I allow them to bring coloring things and I ask them to draw what they see. And some of the artwork that my children have come up with is pretty spectacular. I took my oldest daughter to an outdoor adoration. It was back in, I think, March. The pandemic had started and we were all shut down, but there was an hour of adoration in the parking lot. So it was outside, we stayed in our cars, and I asked my daughter to draw what she saw. And she drew the most beautiful pictures of all the cars and the monstrance that was elevated on a table in this tent. And she also happened to be sitting in the front seat because we were parked. So I let her sit in the front seat so she could see better. And so when the priest walked by with the monstrance, they saw her and they stopped. They were able to do the blessing right right at our car. And afterwards, she looked at me with her huge blue eyes and just said, Mommy, that was awesome. And then we talked about how the priest's arms were going to be very tired, but it made such an impression on her. And so by allowing her to do that, she's, she knows, she understands, she knows what the Eucharist is. Now, when my kids turn seven, my request is that they will start to follow along. And so I'm looking into um, Magnificat or other sorts of mass missiles for kids that have, you know, maybe a homily that might be written in more kid-friendly language, you know, the readings in kid-friendly language, that sort of a, that sort of a Catholic resource. So I'm still trying to figure out what that is, but I think that, you know, my kids, I just recognize that they need the action of doing something. And we will work on getting them to stillness, peacefulness in their body and reverence. But at this point, I don't feel like her coloring right now is distracting or wrong. She's paying attention. She's doing what she can. And it's just how God made her. He made her very active. And so by giving her something to do, She's paying attention. She's looking at details. She's drawing the Paschal candle. She's drawing the cross. She's drawing the crucifix. She's drawing the priest at the altar, noticing the colors. She's observing and really immersing herself in the mass. And as you hear her on this podcast, she knows. She knows what's going on. I'm really impressed with her. Well, If we're going to have a podcast about this, I probably need to talk about the absolute most mortifying mass experience I've ever had, which was right after my second daughter was born. By this point, things were tricky. I had a two and a half year old who was kind of upset that mom had a new baby 
and she also wasn't feeling very well because she had some tummy troubles. So we'd had our two and a half year old, it was freezing cold outside, it's the middle of winter, and we went and we sat in the children's room. My oldest daughter started just completely having a meltdown. So my husband took her out to the gathering space. Now in the summer, he would have taken her outside and they might have sat by the fountain for a minute and they would have just calmed down. But the fountain was not on and it was literally less than 20 degrees outside because again, we live in the state of Michigan, which means that the winter can be an Arctic tundra. So my daughter continued having a meltdown in the gathering space and we are respectful. When our children start having a meltdown, we leave the space that we're in to calm them down and come back once they're calm because yes, they're kids, yes, they cry, but we also recognize that mass is a time of quiet and peace and we don't want to be the people who just let our kids cry the whole time. That's not what I'm advocating for either. But I do think that there's a fine line between expecting kids to behave the way that they behave naturally and then having temper tantrums and not, you know, walking out of the sacred space with your child who's throwing a tantrum. We do. We walk out with our child who's throwing a tantrum. So my husband had taken her to the gathering space and she continued throwing her tantrum. And it was so loud and so long that the ushers, who I now recognize did absolutely nothing wrong, and so I'm not mad at the ushers. They did everything absolutely right. The ushers asked my husband to take my daughter to the library, down the hallway, quiet, dark space, and so they brought her coloring sheets, they brought her crayons, they brought her apple juice because she was two and a half and they wanted her to stop crying and they wanted to make her comfortable. And they told my husband they would bring him the Eucharist in the library. And when I could not find him, I was absolutely mortified. And when he told me what happened, because eventually I did find him, when he told me what happened, I cried. I cried and cried and cried because what was I doing wrong? What was I doing wrong that my child was kicked out of mass, which is not what happened. But of course, that's what I thought in my own delusional mind at that point. And as I've learned, no one did anything wrong in that situation. No one did anything wrong in that situation. But for someone who was a perfectionist, I felt very much like I was a failure that day. And I wasn't. Ever since I started working at my parish, it's funny how much I've grown in these years. One of the things that I do is I write a bulletin article every few weeks, and the one that I received the most positive feedback on is the one where I talk about how even on the days when your baby just wants to crawl three pews back and you're wondering why you are even there because you're only hearing one word between trying to manage the children and trying to make it look like everybody's behaving even though they're kicking each other under the pew and trying to prevent the tantrum from coming that you can see brewing in your child's eyes because they don't have the orange crayon and just trying to figure out how or why and just feeling overwhelmed that even on those days you receive so many graces just from being at Mass. Of course, we should be present at Mass if we can be. Of course, we should be focused. But one time a priest said to me, because I told him how frustrated I was that I couldn't seem to pay attention at Mass, he said to me, 
You have to take care of what God entrusted to you. That was so freeing because, yes, when it comes to math, I do have to take care of the children that God has entrusted to me. And there are needs, and those needs don't go away. I mean, how many times have we all had to leave mass because one of our children was potty training and they refused to go before we left the house? Or, you know, they're just like, ooh, this potty, that's fun, that's different. And so they want to go six times in the course of an hour. But they're potty training, so we can't say, no, hold it. We have to go with them because, of course, we're potty training them, right? These are the things that we get to deal with as Catholic parents. And one of the things that I think is just so just obnoxiously strange is that there's this idea that our children should be perfect at Mass. And of course, we want them to have a holy life. We want them to have a prayer life. We want them to be interested in the Mass. We want them to revel in its beauty. I want to revel in its beauty. But I also recognize that I have to meet my children where I'm at now. That's something that was missing from me for the first few years of my parenthood, and it's something that has made going to Mass so much easier ever since I figured that out. Over the course of the past few years, we've developed friendships with families. By the time my youngest daughter was born, we knew where we liked to sit, and we had two families now that will sit in the same pew with us. These families have become great friends, and it's so wonderful because We all have children and we just keep passing the babies to all the different adults and nobody knows which child belongs to which family and it's great. It's a true community and we love it. We're so grateful for that. Sometimes there's strength in numbers. We still do get the odd comments from people who don't know what to say when they see small children at mass. And so having the grace to know that perfection doesn't help us, perfection just takes the focus off of God and expecting our children to perfect at Mass, it's just not realistic. It's not something that we can say confidently is why we're there. We're not there for our children to behave perfectly, to show other people that we're raising holier children than they are. We're there because we love God and we want to worship Him, and we want our children to learn how to love God, and how to worship Him in the way that is right and proper. I really hope that you've enjoyed my thoughts and reflections and my time that I was inadvertently the subject of an article about this, but I will let you know if I ever hear from the author and if I find out if I for sure was the subject. In the meantime, I'm pretty convinced that, yes, it is about me. So until next time, I'm hoping that you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week and that you feel as loved as you are and know that even when you bring your children to Mass and when they act as mature as they are, because we can't expect them to magically mature just because we change their environment, you're still loved, you're doing great, keep it up.